I'm Serginho Dest, and you're listening to BR Football Ring. We are treating you this week, Rank Squad. Not one, not two, three episodes of BR Football Ranks for you. And this one has a distinct Italian theme. Earlier on in the season, we got BR Football's very own Alex McGovern to talk to us about his predictions for the season and how it was going to go in Italy. And given that it's now the mid-season break over there, we thought we'd get him in to ask him about how things were going, what had impressed him, what had not impressed him, and basically talk all things Italy for your listening pleasure. This is Calcio Sundays, and here's our interview with Alex McGovern. It is time for a Calcio update. It's time to take a look at the state of Serie A, Italian football in general, and to do so, we have brought back our Calcio aficionado, Mr. Alex McGovern of this parish. Gov, it's good to have you back in the building. Thank you very much. Good parish. to be back. <laughs> of this yeah. parish, that's a phrase. <laughs> oh, it's an English phrase. <laughs> it's a phrase of this parish. Thank you very much. Um, that's enough from you. Um, Gov, oh. welcome back. It's, uh, it's good to have you. Thanks. Good to be back. Keep still um, Calcio. Yeah, of course. I mean, what season it's been? It's you know had had everything really over in Italy. Yeah, there's been some surprises. There's been some teams doing way better than we expected. Some teams doing way worse, uh, which we're going to talk about later as well. Surely, no one surprised you though, Gov. You're the Calcio expert. You saw everything coming. Can't do it like that. <laughs> Come on, it's Christmas. Cheer up. Um, we will talk though. You did predict when we did this that Inter were going to win Serie A, win the Scudetto this season. It's on. It's on, yeah. They've been top. Um, they've been top. They've had yeah, some time at the top of the table. And they've. I think they've been as impressive as I've hoped. And they've been missing some big players as well. Uh, as we speak, they've got their two best midfielders, Sensi and Barella, missing through injury. And they're still kind of grinding out some results. And uh, they're, well, they're joint top of the table with Juventus right now. Juve top on, on head-to-head. Um but yeah, in in into sort of, I, I think sort of surprised everyone. But they're they're doing what Conte wants. They're doing that, you know Conte's classic for fast start, um, barely losing a game in his first season as he did at Juventus in his first season with, with Chelsea as well. It's kind of Conte's trademark to challenge uh, the the main guys in his first season while also completely sacking in Europe as per exactly he does love sacking off Europe doesn't he <laughs> it does a really you, strange character trait you yeah. can see uh, the Europa League going out the first opportunity probably <laughs> yeah but the average age of that lineup will be similar to Liverpool's in the Carabao Cup <laughs> quarter final yeah, there's just not that much depth in the squad so <laughs> there is, you know you're not, you can't really mess around in the Europa League but it's been we're going to have a title race on our hands and I think that's probably a good thing for everyone involved God. For sure, and I think it part, a large part of that is Juventus. They've been grinding out results, but they haven't really found their their best team yet. Uh, Sarri's gone from four three three to then playing a diamond in midfield, where he's got two of Ronaldo, Dybala, or Higuain up front, uh, and it kind of feels like that's not really it, it's working okay. But they still feel like a team in evolution, and, mm. they're, and they've not really hit their uh, hit their stride yet absolutely not no Bernadeschi in the number 10 role of the diamond can get out I don't understand <laughs> what is going on there I just it's, won't have this amount of hatred for a former Fiorentina legend it's, it's winding me up so much just just play Dybala there Gav do you know that I've tipped to Juve to win the Champions League <sighs> do you know what because 
like you say, they've, they've been grinding out results, but there have been a few occasions this season where they have like been brilliant. Or mm-hmm. I think we talked about Sarri Ball about five weeks ago now, <laughs> six weeks ago. Yeah, there was the game against Inter where they actually were really quite good. Yeah, it seems quite distant now, that display. But my point really is that the Champions League starts up again in like February, March time, and by then, I feel like this team will have the familiarity needed to like kind of make the impression on that on that stage. And also that's when Ronaldo comes into his own. Exactly, yeah, that, that's Ronaldo's time. And Ronaldo's been really disappointing this season, I think, in, uh, in Serie A. You know, he's, he's like... He's ready to play against Lithuania and score a hat-trick, but then he can't play against Atalanta a few days later when Juventus actually need him. You know, what's more important, Serie A or kind of stat-padding to 100 international goals? Um, stat-padding. Stat-padding. But a lot of fans have been asking Juventus or Serie to play uh, to play all three of them, Higuain, Dybala and Ronaldo together, because Higuain, believe it or not, has been extremely good. Dybala's been really good yeah. as well Ronaldo like I say not so much but you can't really not play Ronaldo especially when he earns three times as much as everyone else in the squad Yeah. Uh, so the fans have been trying to you know, we're asking Sarri to, to play all three of them together and he said I can't really do that it unbalances the team too much he did it against Udinese he's done it off the bench a few times so maybe as the season goes on we start to three those th- see those three players are tried and in, you know, and maybe that's what we see in well, the I was going to bring League. up that Udinese game because for me it was the first time Juventus have won comfortably in, in some time almost especially in the league it was the first time I really thought they were like dominant again and after a couple of rocky weeks it did look like those three together were able to produce the quality needed to put sides to the sword yeah and part of that is that before going into that game Udinese had scored 10 goals all season yeah, um, no, they haven't been good. So, you know, how much defend... That, if there's a game where you can get away with none of your forwards defending, then it's it's probably that one. So, to be seen how that works against better teams. Yeah. I mean, also, Udinese's best player has been Stefano Akaka. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they're not doing particularly well. Let, let's talk about players, people that are overperforming um, this season. Obviously, the title race is good. Lazio, three yeah. points behind as we record this. You know they're doing very well, although they've had their own mishaps in Europe in, the, in a very Conte-esque manner. Yeah, they're doing brilliantly. They're, uh, I mean, two seasons ago they were exceptional, and we talked about last time them just missing out on top four on the final day of the season to Inter, when they really deserved to get top four. Yeah. Last year, maybe it felt like a few of those players, like Milinkovic Savic, uh, Immobile, etc. Luis Alberto took a huge step back, didn't he? Exactly, and they possibly kind of had had their heads turned by big moves or, or something. But but they really didn't play very well last year. And this year, like you say, three points off the top, um, playing brilliantly. Immobile is is top scorer of the league by some distance. I think he's got six goals more than Ronaldo as we speak. He's got seventeen in total, and then yeah, Lukaku is on ten. He's he's coming up, and you're right. It's a uh, no, it's an Eight, yeah, it's an eight-goal swing uh, back to Ronaldo. Like that is, I mean, is he going to break the, the the Serie A scoring record? At he this will point? if he like, keeps like, up this. Like if he on pace for this, this is record-breaking. Yes, yeah, so I think his top was twenty-nine when him and Icardi uh, would join on twenty-nine, and really not many people in Serie A get over thirty goals. It it, it just doesn't really happen. So, mm. but at this rate, he'll he'll get there. And like you mentioned, Luis Alberto, he's in double figures for assists of the season already, which is is outrageous in itself. Yeah, yeah but felled by the mighty Celtic in, in, in Europe. OK, Jack. Right, let's talk Calgary. Calgary, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, Calgary are doing great. Uh, it's their centenary year. They've, it's their 50th year anniversary of their Scudetto, so they've gone all out this season. Uh, they've invested their money in, in Raja Nyingland, who's playing brilliantly as a, 
as an attacking midfielder there. Uh, you know, probably his best position. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and when, he, when he feels comfortable, he performs brilliantly, doesn't he? he? But he's very hot or cold, depending on how he's feeling. But when he's hot, wow. And he scores outrageous goals, which, yeah, which we all love to see. Yeah. They're uh, genuine challenges to, to, to go into the Champions League, which I think a lot of people before the season said they did some good business. Uh, signing Nandez, the, the Uruguayan, and, and a few others. Um, but I'm not sure anyone actually expects them to really go in the top four, and that's where they're trending at the moment. Yeah. This yeah. midfield four is one of my favourite things in Europe. Nangalan, Marco Rog, who obviously was at, was at Napoli for a while, Lucas Sigarini, who's like the elder statesman, and then Nandez at the base. There's so much to like about these four, and, and they play really nicely in that diamond that they've got going, and the front two are playing well off each other. Obviously, when Simeone left Fiorentina this summer to go to Cagliari were a bit I was a bit like it's a strange move strange sideways move I mean it was it was arguably a downwards move at the time that's the, that I mean obviously it's shaped out differently but it was very weird but you know it's proved right and Jao Pedro and his partner has got 10 goals well know, I mean I, they've been brilliant together it's a, it's a classic little man big man thing going on that they've you know that's really really working and you know fair play to them because that was a it was kind of bold move mm. especially given you know his status and the fact that there was always going to be links with him and his father at Betty to go to Cagliari was a, a bit of like a random one and um obviously it's a loan with a permanent view so we don't we don't know quite how it's going to shake out in the end but but ultimately it's paid off and and Cagliari looked all sorts of fun yeah we talked before about them being one of those teams like the best team you're not watching right now and I think that's definitely the case like if you're a neutral and you just want to watch a fun game of football like watch Cagliari because ultimately the game is usually swinging the last 10 minutes anyway one way or the other quite often in their favour like they've got this spirit about them haven't they which has just been brilliant I didn't know it was their centenary of that Scudetto actually maybe, maybe that's where the spirit's coming from I don't know but they're definitely fun to watch yeah, and uh, Rajan England as well, as I say, kind of the, the main man of the team. Um, it's worth mentioning Juvent- uh, sorry, Inter, who have let him go out on loan or, or pushed him out on loan, wanted to get rid of him. Uh, and they're having to use their backup midfielders, Galliadini and Bor Valera, in recent weeks, while Borelli- Borella and Sensi are out. Nyland's really shown them what, what they are missing and how they could have a, a, a truly elite midfielder in a team if they hadn't pushed him out. So. I mean, to be fair, Borella. It's on loan from Cagliari to Inter, isn't he? So he is. Well, I mean, that's that's one of those on on loan with a you know, which yeah. will be bought in the summer. It's just kind of how you move the money about yeah. and, and when the transfer goes. Italy through. doing Italy things. Yes, creative exactly. accounting, huh? Um, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've talked about some some overperformers. Um, is there anyone else that springs to mind? Yeah, there's, there's been some uh, some really overperforming players this season. Uh, Kulusevski, who's at Parma, uh, he's generally playing on the right wing cutting his side on his left he's now been linked to Manchester United and Arsenal and Inter Inter came along first it seemed like and then uh, now we're getting a Premier League link so you know will he actually go to Inter Pro- probably not if you've got the option of Manchester what United what sort of prices are being mentioned on the links well they were talking about kind of 40 million or so so he's actually on loan from Atalanta everyone's on loan yeah, no, everyone exists on loan. It's just a thing that everyone is doing. <laughs> and everyone good comes from Atalanta as well. But, uh, but yeah, he, he looks like a really good player. He's fast, he's very creative, he's, he's got a great uh, partnership with uh, Jovino, believe it or not. Um, good old Jovino. Yeah, and, and Palmer, Palmer are doing, as I say, better than expected as well. Um, so he, he, he's been a really impressive. Gaetano Castrovilli is a player who... Uh, made his debut for Fiorentina this, or made his Serie A debut at Fiorentina this season and he, he's already in the Italy team 
So he's kind of a, a very dynamic attacking midfielder who's who can do a bit of, a bit of everything, score and, and assist and dribble as well. So he's a lovely, lovely footballer. One I of Jack's favourites. To now. see him stick around at Fiorentina, much as that hurts me, for much longer because their big dogs are going to be sniffing around after uh, after the season he's had so far. Just one of those. He yeah, he's so lovely on the ball. And, Absolutely. And yeah, he's just and but is still really tenacious and all of those things. Someone that I wanted to speak to you about because I know this is someone that that you know straddles both your worlds in some ways. Gov uh, is Mario Pasalic, um at Atalanta. Yeah, Atalanta have had this problem of uh, Duvan's Pasa being injured for I think since October. Um, Ilicic has kind of missed a few games with, with injuries. Uh, so, they, so they've had this space in that. I mean, last season or for the last few years, they've had this attacking three, which has been really, really good, and no one ever misses a game. And the problem's always been, if someone does miss a game, what happens? Uh, so they've had Luis Muriel, who's arrived uh, from Fiorentina last season and been really impressive, uh, and also Mario Pas- uh, Pasalic, who has been shockingly good in a, in a kind of attacking <laughs> midfield role. Yeah, we didn't expect. I didn't expect to see him here in, in that other points the way he's been. You know, he's he's suddenly. Turn himself into a, a goal threat and a you know someone who's involved at the sharp end of games. Yeah, and so he's been there for a couple of seasons, and it's kind of one of these weird Chelsea loan situations where um, Atalanta wanted to buy him permanently, and Chelsea seemed to keep him for longer and uh, and send him on loan once again. So I mean, Atalanta wants him permanently, but he's, he's back on loan again. So not really sure what's going to happen after this season. Maybe because they're only allowed to do loans. We've yeah. covered this loans only. Okay, <laughs> that's 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 all you can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I thought Chelsea loaned a lot of people, and then I looked at Serie A, and I went, <laughs> "Wow, okay, things are a little bit different over in these parts." So I think Higuain, we've already talked about him, probably belongs in this in this conversation oh, yeah. as surprisingly good because off. if we go back to go back to July. Everyone that includes that includes us as a podcast as well. Like everyone would just thought, right? Well, obviously it's going to be Ronaldo or Dybala up top. You know, how will it how will it shake out? What will the front three look like? No one was actually genuinely putting Higuain into these theoretical Maurizio Sarri Juventus 11s. And then bang. And yet. Yeah. I think we, we have are. to open our minds sometimes. Remember that people like Higuain don't suddenly just become bad players. They just can go through bad spells. And like, obviously when you're moved around a bit as well and not been under certain people in certain people's plans, like you just lose a bit of confidence. And it doesn't often take a lot to get back to what you're capable of, especially when you're a striker like Higuain who just kind of relishes just pouncing on things around the box. Mm. And it's basically what he's done. He's been a pred- gone back to being a predator, but also with some really good link-up play. And I think... I love it. I love comebacks like this because I just love people being like, when he celebrates now every time, he's like, still got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Do we move to flops? Do we go flip the coin? Flip the coin. And I imagine Gov's going to go straight to his strike partner. Uh, yeah, well, Ronaldo, we've, we've mentioned already. Um, he, uh, I'm actually not sure how many of his goals have been penalties, but it feels like most of them. And he's just really not played like the Ronaldo that, that, that we know. Uh, he's not been linking up well. He's not been... Kind of making his runs in behind, and, and when he has done, he kind of gets caught up. I'm not sure he's got that that extreme pace anymore. I mean, it's not like he's slow now, but the kind of pace that gets away from everyone, and he's just really not been impressive. And I, I do think in Serie A, for he's got a few more goals recently, but there's definitely a point, especially around the internationals, where uh, I think Dybala and Higuain were just playing significantly better as a partnership, and. When it comes to the Champions League, you can't not drop you can't drop Ronaldo because he's missed the Champions League, and he probably will go and score a hat trick because he gets up for the big games. Yeah, but week to week, the other strikers have looked better. It's one of those, isn't it? We we all know that he just doesn't turn on until 
February, yeah. March. It was the same was at Real Madrid. This is not a Juventus Serie A problem. No, no, but I do think his general form was probably a bit better at Real Madrid than he has been this season. I do, I do think there has been a drop off, and he's but he has had an injury. You know, he's had a lingering injury. He just looks a bit more human, to be honest, and I think that's that, that it, is yeah. just Father Time catching up on him a little bit. But then there was uh, quotes like the other one the other day where a teammate he asked a teammate if it, what he was doing. And it was eleven o'clock at night. Said, "Do you fancy a training session?" Uh, Medi Benatia. Yeah. <laughs> that's a genuine quote from him. <laughs> then you're like, okay, well. He's not done yet. If no. he's willing to go training at 11 o'clock at night, then Ronaldo still means business. Well, look at Juventus's round of 16 draw. They got they got a lovely one, didn't they, in Leon? A Leon without their best player and one of them, their emerging midfielders. So let's go ahead and say that Juventus are in. They're in the last eight, mm-hmm. and as long as Ronaldo wakes up as he usually does around this time, then they'll be in the semis. You know, and then the, we'll see. Well, that's they yeah, can take was, one of the big ones. Yeah. Absolutely, Dean's prediction may not look quite so stupid. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't take a lot for these things to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Who else has disappointed you? Uh, the, the obvious one is is Napoli, uh, and Angelotti's Napoli have just been incredibly disappointing. Uh, so they've hired Gattuso now as their manager to replace Angelotti, but but Carlo came in um, expected to be the guy who kind of takes Sarri's Napoli to the next level and makes him maybe not so one dimensional, playing in a certain style and can evolve that team with a new formation. He had them playing in a four four two. Um, and it just hasn't gone to plan at all. So his first, well, Sarri's final season, they got 91 points, uh, which is the most that anyone's got while not winning the league. Uh, Ancelotti's first season, he came and got 79. Okay, it's his first season. And in his second year, he's left them in seventh. Um, at the time of leaving, was projecting, I think, 53 points for the season. So it's, it's an incredible drop-off. Yeah, they sit ninth at the moment as we record. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. It's and, terrible. And so... I mean, so the, yeah, not everything is Ancelotti's fault, mm. but it certainly got them to the results to the point of disaster where uh, the President De Laurentiis decided to put them into a, a retreat, uh, which is basically where all the players have to stay at a training ground for the week before the game and, you know, you don't get to go home to your families, etc. It's, it's a punishment. You're meant to train half the week and improve up until the game. Um, and there was essentially a mutiny. Uh, the players didn't want to go. And Chelotti said that he didn't think they should have to go. So it was a very weird situation where the manager was clashing with uh, uh, the, the president of the team. Um, and that, that's still it's rumbling. Not on that sev- weird in Napoli. <laughs> 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 and, and it's still rumbling on several months later and it's still resolved. And, you know, there's been rumours about most of their star players from Alan to Koulibaly, uh, Dries Mertens, Callahan, who's kind of a part-time captain, um, and a number of others leaving either in January or at the end of the season so um, that team feels a bit like it's falling apart and I'm not sure if Gattuso's a guy to save it Yeah, it, do- it doesn't feel like the most prescient appointment that, that Napoli could have made I can see what they're trying to do some sort of you know play to, to kind of reduce the player power in some ways you know, get someone in who's a bit of a nut job yeah, and I mean, basically batter them back into submission but I don't think it's going to work on a tactical level I don't, Yeah, I think the chairman probably thinks that he has assembled for his manager a star cast of players, which he legitimately has. This Napoli team is fantastic, and they're really underperforming. And I think he has hired the angriest, maddest bastard he could think of to just come and give him a kick up the ass. Like it's just—I feel like it's a completely reactionary thing, a reactionary appointment. He's like, "I need to get the—I need to get so much more out of these players. Who can I hire yeah. to get those extra levels?" I don't think. 
I don't think it's a long-term appointment either. I don't think he's actually thinking yeah, Gattuso say, can stay on. Contract? I'm not sure if it's to the end of the season. Yeah, or it's like or a short-term one. Though, it, it? It I remember it was like only it was only a short. So I think it probably is just an impact appointment. But if the players have already mutinied. Like I just, I just, I just wonder if that if that's actually the right approach to take. Very often we see in in recent years and in this modern game that actually that Sir Alex Ferguson style iron fist doesn't really work with no. players. You want Klopp and, group hugs, at and this if point. they're already disgruntled, what stops them from just going? Yeah, well, actually, I do want to leave. Uh, and what stops this this whole thing falling apart? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very, very strange one. In terms of other teams who have qualified for the, we've talked about. Juventus and Ronaldo. We've talked about Napoli, who are in the in the Champions League knockout stages. Atalanta into the Champions League knockout stages. Something that absolutely no one saw coming after they were battered four nil in their first game in the competition, and lost their first three games, and then lost their first. Yeah, went on to lose the next two, and yet here we are. Atalanta, the fairy tale continues, and this is this is nice. It's it's a hell of a fairy tale, and and yeah, they're the first team to ever I think qualify after losing their their first three games. That's unprecedented. Um, but just to give, you, give a bit of context, I mean, even qualifying for the Champions League in the first place was um, was crazy. They've got the fourteenth biggest budget in Serie A, kind of comparable to a, um, a mid-table Championship club. Um, and we're at a point now where it feels like the Champions League really is the the elite, and it's the teams who've got the most money in it every single season, or you know, getting towards the latter stages. And someone like Ajax, who have got a lot of history, but they're not, they don't have the financial power. Them getting all the way to the semi-finals last year felt like an incredible story. Atalanta have never even been in the Champions League before; they've never been in a European Cup. Um, so, so for them to get this far and to, to get through the group stages is, is genuinely phenomenal. And like I say, they've been messing. Um, a number of their key players uh, throughout the season. Divan Spasser and, and Ilicic has been in and out. So Papu Gomez has been the only one of that front three who's who's kind of been there the entire time. So If you want one to be there the whole time, though, it's him. He's the glue. He's the most important one, isn't he? He really is. He's a captain. He's their best player. And, um, you know, he's, he's in his 30s now, but I, I do think if kind of this stage of his career had come a few years ago, uh, most... Uh, a large part of Europe would want him like, so, he's a brilliant brilliant player so we said we said that uh, a couple of weeks ago on, on a podcast we said the same thing about Josip Ilicic in that he has kind of shot to stardom at about age 30 yeah. or like he's being recognised at about age 30 if you just if it had just happened three years before although that said if that had happened for both of these players three years before they wouldn't be playing for Atalanta and we wouldn't be talking about them in these terms because they wouldn't have held on to them it's true and the thing with Ilicic is he's he's always been absurdly talented um, from Palermo to Fiorentina everywhere he's been he's, he's scored some outrageous goals some some brilliant dribbling some brilliant skills but he's never never been consistent and, and that's what Gasparini is the only manager who, who's done that with him mm. um, so it really is credit to him that he's got Ilicic playing so well Yeah absolutely in terms of you know all the things we've discussed now and, and getting on I suppose back to the title race I wanted to bring in Dean on, on some matters of transfers there's been rumours over the last couple of days that Inter have 50 million to spend in this transfer window which seems mad considering Juventus are paying 30 million a year for Ronaldo alone um, Also seems mad because they added a lot of players to their squad in the summer. Yeah. And all they I mean, I, I know they're in a title race, but I would have assumed looking at that squad that it was deep enough to do a, a Serie A title race without European um, basically distractions. Yeah. Yeah. I, and also Antonio Conte about a month ago got really angry, didn't he? And, and spoke to the press about how he needed more players and how he didn't get what he wanted, which again, I found a very strange outburst. He does because he was he, he was largely given exactly what he wanted yeah. Yeah, he wanted Lukaku that, yeah. they paid for him he wanted Sensi he wanted Barella they got he got Godin like, got like I don't, I, he got Lazaro he got Biraghi 
they had a great summer and I, I just read those comments and thought what the hell are you on about it's like, a bit weird what are you doing but, so if he's got another 50 million I think they'll be low level spending basically at Inter I think that they will, they will bulk up the squad for the, for the second half but I don't think it's going to be like significant names coming in I don't think it's a good idea really to bring in anyone significant at this stage because they seem to be onto something pretty good I know that Gabby Gull's been linked quite heavily well I mean he's, he's theirs yeah I mean coming back and he's like no what he doesn't want to come back doesn't want to come back at the moment so no, I don't really blame him no he's having, so he's having seemed, time of his life back yeah. so it seems like, like that's not happening from what I was told um, Vidal's the other one that's, that's becoming interesting um, Arturo yeah so uh, Barcelona not very keen on it to happen but there are murmurings now that Vidal actually himself quite fancies it um would love to see Vidal and Conte. <laughs> so I'm quite into that one. Uh, Gav, I don't know if you think he'd fit in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when Conte managed him at Juventus, and yeah. Yeah. What, what was the comment? Um, if I had to take someone to war with me, it would be would be him. That's right. Um, to play fancy football for just a moment, like we said earlier, Nyingland on loan at Cagliari. Can you imagine if Nyingland came back next season and they got Vidal and we got this kind of mohawk smoking extreme action <laughs> midfield it would be incredible I'd love to see that so that's the most interesting one for me <laughs> like, yeah. that's the link I'm looking out for yeah. in January and I, and I hope it comes off I saw links that Giroud on loan to Inter I saw, I saw, yeah. um, I saw some murmurings of that I mean presumably yeah. he's swapping one bench for another there uh, yeah but Giroud's just desperate to get out of Chelsea at this stage so he's just looking for an option where he might actually get you know Lampard's just got not really an in- interest in injury at this stage and I Conte think, loves him yeah and I think Lampard respects him but it's like you just don't fit in here like, yeah, you, don't, you, you're, you are not the man yeah I and under Conte anymore. to be honest he'd probably do, do alright in the second half of the season especially when he does well when it comes to that stage of the season and he you've got to get it. results it just seems like he's probably not um, that much more playing so time. I think you know it's difficult we're, we're recording this obviously um, middle of, of December and it's still a while till the January transfer window opens so by the time this goes out a few things might have changed but let's just rattle through a few big names really that are kind of being linked uh, first one Juve are bidding for Erling Haaland. Now, of course they are. He's not likely to choose them, but they are firmly in there. Um, I think it's interesting that they've gone for him, because even knowing that he's not that interested in the project. Um, and I think this comes back to the fact that Juve have this five-year plan to really, really be at the very top of elite European football at that point I know you could argue I'm saying they're going to win the Champions League this season so they're they're already kind of there but they're looking beyond Ronaldo basically they want the next they want Mbappe they want these this level of player and they want to be in that race so that's why they're in for Haaland I don't think they'll get him but um, we'll see whether that comes off and also going out of Juve uh, Demiral is the one to look out for He's got a bit of playing time recently. He out has, out of yeah. nowhere. It'll, it'll be it interesting to see whether it turns things around because I was speaking to someone quite close to him and three weeks ago, that man was very fed up. and <laughs> He really wanted to stay at Juve, though. He was just like, I can't just sit here all season. Like I, I, I thought, especially once injuries came into play, that I'll be playing. And he wasn't until the last couple of weeks. Um, also, Emre Chan. Bye, Melon. Yeah, You're Melon going. of the Week, out um, of your event. <laughs> Leave him alone, Dean. Yeah, we can't have an episode these days without battering Emre Chan. Sorry, mate. Um, Ibrahimovic. It yeah. looks less and less likely now. It no? looks less and less likely, but this is... Let's wait and see, really, because the most likely destination for him over the past couple of months has been Italy, and any time that you speak to um, his camp... 
they've, they've been very coy since the moment that he was leaving MLS, but they were always like, it's Serie A. Like, we can't, we can't say a club, but he's, he's going to Serie A. So at that point, there was Bologna, there was Napoli, and there's obviously AC Milan in the mix. And it's looked like AC Milan was the most likely destination. They're still in there, but there are other clubs now in the hunt so we'll see what it really makes me interested in is like if Milan were that interested in Ibra are they going to bring in someone else then instead like who would be a good fit for Milan to come and and play that role and what was Ibra's role going to even be at Milan because I mean they needed Piontek's dad I think yeah (laughs) with with Piontek struggling for form I think I think it's really important that they become less reliant on Piontek and in an ideal in an ideal world I guess I guess you'd look at Rafael Leal who I think is great but you know, Milan probably rightly feel like he is quite young. Um, qu- I don't know quite, if that was the right move. Quite, quite impulsive at times, and, pro- and, pro- and probably yeah. not the kind of player that you want to hang your hat on for the rest of the season. So, bringing in someone as experienced as Latan and someone who has obviously been at the club and been a success before, like I'm, I'm very rarely in favour of clubs moving with Latan because I'm just not his biggest fan. Yeah. Um, but this one made loads of sense. Take yeah. the pressure off Piontek. Maybe Giroud. Oh, just Maybe Giroud should go to Milan. Choosing the wrong Milan. Yeah, he's picked the wrong side. Yeah, he might be. Maybe yeah. that's the answer. Look, um, we're sorting out everyone's problems here. <laughs> also, talk of Rebic back. Yeah, I've gone well for him, really. Yeah. What, just cancelling the loan? It's a yeah. two-year loan with a, with a view to purchase, and they're looking at dumping it after four months. Absolutely, yeah. I mean... It looked like a really good signing when he came from Frankfurt, and now it's like just—I don't know why. Maybe it was just that combination. Just worked. That, yeah, but they, that team that Frankfurt built last season, with Alaire and Jovic, like he was obviously so heavily involved in that. And it must be difficult when you're split up and you're put into another team, expected to have the same output. Do you think they all FaceTime each other at night in a three-way convo, just like miss you? Miss yeah, you. they're all just <laughs> like really sad. Yeah, uh, Jovic just is just like, sat in bed on his own, and Alaire. Yeah, the just idea like, of Rebic going back to me. Yeah, just let him go back. But, but that was part of like a two-way swap loan deal with Andre Silva going to Frankfurt. Who's done okay. Who's done fine. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how like interlinked those things are and how That's complicated true, yeah. this thing is. Because as far as I was aware, it's a two-year swap loan deal, which is just bizarre. It was swap deal season this summer. It was, yeah. And it was bizarre. <laughs> so how that shakes out, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 I think the prevailing point here on Milan is that they actually have an unbelievable amount of talent at their disposal. It's just that all season they've been guilty of, of misusing it or not extracting its best Yeah, well, you've said all along about the system they've been using and I stuff. I mean, Pioli has, has undoubtedly improved things. He has yeah. made strides, but there's a long way to go. I don't think Milan needs to be that active in, in, in January at all. I yeah, think Gav, just... what do you think? Has there been a flaw that you've seen? Or... We're talking about Zlatan. I think he he gives you the option of it doesn't matter how bad you play with Zlatan sometimes you can just pump the ball to him and he can score out of nothing and that's really what Milan lacked to some degree like they've like you said they've got some good players they're not necessarily playing that well but they don't have that that get out Mm. Um, that Zlatan offers you well their their most most dangerous player right now is Teo Hernandez their left back yeah. who is brilliant <laughs> yes, yes. He's dangerous, brilliant. At both, and, dangerous at both ends of the field after two <laughs> own goals in the last four weeks and P- Pioli has done, has done the right thing in, in unleashing him down the flank and, and, and configuring the, the midfield to make sure that works but you have problems if your best goal threat is a left back Yeah. end of story yeah. and they've got problems at centre back as well we've got um, Duarte out injured uh, Caldara still can't get back to fitness don't know when that'll happen I mean poor guy yeah, I do feel genuinely very, How very sorry. How many months sorry. are we on now with Caldara? It, is it a double ACL and it's over a year since, yeah, since he signed he, and he just hasn't? He's broken. 
Yeah, and he's really good. It's another player who came from Atalanta, but he's he's really really good, and it's it's a real shame to to have him out. I mean, you know, when he broke out, everyone was talking about him as as the future of Italy, you yeah. know, the future centre back of Italy, and it's just not panned out so far. What are um, they feeding everyone in Bergamo? Like, they just have a farm of good footballers. What's going on? They've definitely got a farm of good footballers. I mean, everyone from Kessier to um, uh, Frank Cristante to Caldara. Um, Loads of great great players come from there. And again, that's kind of what makes their rise so spectacular that they've done it while losing good players every single season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone going into Napoli, Dean, before we close this off? Someone will, but we've got to see who ends up leaving. I mean, it's... We kind of we were just checking before the, we recorded this podcast to see whether there's been any announcement yet because there was supposed to be a, a meeting between uh, De Laurentiis and, and Gattuso about like what's happening going forward. Like, have bonds been kind of built since Gattuso already came in? Is, is this squad more content now, or are we going to start seeing some big name exits? I saw that. Um, Dries Mertens seems to be the one really lingering over the last couple of days talking about his contract and saying that he still wants to get out in January if possible and that you could even get an agreement in very quickly for that to happen. Is his contract up in the summer? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, Callahan as well is up in the Callahan as well, yeah. that's right. And Koulibaly linked to Manchester City. You've and Koulibaly, so I, I, yeah, I wrote about this recently and there's a feel that so Man City haven't really spent much money like they have overall yeah, but like on, on one-off players... Yeah. You know their their biggest signing is Rodri at sixty seven million or whatever it was. That's nothing, and, and it isn't really anything in, in in terms of like what's what other clubs have paid for people like Harry Maguire. So Man City have always said like we're not getting involved in that, like we're not in for the superstars. And then I heard recently that we might change that for Koulibaly because that's a big fix. And even though he's in his late twenties now. It doesn't really matter because that is such a big fix for a team like Man City, and there, there is for the first time a feeling that actually Koulibaly can get him out in 2020, and, and he will go and make that big move. What a partnership Koulibaly and Laporte would be! Oh my goodness me! Yeah. What yeah. dreams are made yeah, of yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's a that might tempt Pep to stay a little longer. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about how much Van Dijk has changed Liverpool. I'm not, you know, how, how much can you take Man City to the next level beside their their current form issues? But Koulibaly is is a defender who is in that realm. I think him, Van Dijk, and Chiellini are probably the three best centre backs in the world. Um, and Koulibaly, you know, you move to a better scene than Napoli, he'll, he'll only get even better and improve everyone around him as well. I think he'll be a spectacular signing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Gov, for joining us and uh, updating us on all the goings on. Cheers, man. Well, that was fun. Thank you so much to Gov for joining us, and a pleasure as always. We will see you on Tuesday, Ranked God, where normal programming will resume.